You are now listening to The Model Health Show with Sean Stevenson. For more, visit themodelhealthshow.com. Welcome to The Model Health Show. This is fitness and nutrition expert, Sean Stevenson, and I'm so grateful for you tuning in with me today. How do you respond when obstacles show up in your life, when challenges present themselves? How do you respond? Now, there's this really great tenet that says, you don't rise to the level of your expectations, you fall to the level of your training. We're going to revert to the things that we've habituated. We're going to revert to the mindset and the strategies and the actions that we generally have that we've cultivated in our lives when problems show up. You know, so if we've cultivated a habit of sticking our head in the sand, we get that ostrich vibe going. If we've cultivated a strategy where we're pointing fingers and blaming others, if we've cultivated and habituated a practice of finding the gift in things and the opportunity, that's what's going to be expressed. And here's the good news is that we get to choose how we respond just in our day-to-day lives and also when obstacles show up, which they inherently will. That's part and parcel of being here on planet Earth. If we're living life, stuff is going to happen. And right now, there's a lot of stuff happening. There's so much going on in the world that can create a sense of disempowerment. There's a lot of divisiveness. There's a lot of struggle and strife and problems and health issues, mental health issues, and things that we need to address. And the crazy thing is, and one of the things that we want to articulate more and more as we possibly can as time goes on, and one of the most important things that we need to infuse into our culture, into our cultural knowledge base, is the ability to actually look at the results. Right now, here in the United States, we're dealing with an epidemic of mental health issues. The rates of suicide, but not just suicide, but also by means of overdose and deaths related to alcohol consumption, the list goes on and on, have skyrocketed. As are the rates of depression and anxiety and ADHD and schizophrenia, and the list goes on and on. And these are considered in this camp of mental health issues, but these are still biochemical. These are still related to our bodies and our health. Part of the problem is that we separate these things, like this is mental health, this is physical health. These are all existing in the same person. You can't separate you into parts, but this is just a means of communication. When we talk about physical health, now we're talking about the skyrocketing rates of heart disease and cancer and obesity. In the United States, I've shared this many times, and it's because I want you to know this number so that we can change it, because most people don't know the number. We are now approaching 250 million Americans being overweight or obese. We didn't get here overnight. This has been steadily building. Right now, we're at 42% of the United States population being clinically obese. This is not okay. And this is something that we can do something about. If this is just about vanity, no worries. We can have all kinds of shapes and sizes of humanity. That's okay. We're talking about the health outcomes. We're talking about the impact this has on our communities, that it has on our families, that it has on our country and the world. You know, because this isn't just uniquely an American phenomenon. This shift to where more people today are dying from the overconsumption of food than from the lack of food. It's a new thing. 
This is why it requires new ways of looking at things and new actions, new insights to be able to tackle these new issues in our society. And this is why I am so excited about this episode today, because we're talking to somebody who's stepped up to make a solution and a place for all of us, not to just take the solutions that we pick up from her experience, but we can integrate these things into our families, into our lives, but also in service to other people and making that our life's purpose of coaching and supporting others. And so I'm so excited about this. It's very timely. And, you know, one of the, she brought me a gift, you know, when she came today, you know, and we were always giving each other gifts, but she brought, <laughs> she brought a robe, which is actually, it's a gift from my wife. All right. This little fancy, nice little robe. And I'm not a robe type of a guy. I mean, you know, I just, when I think of a robe, I think of like Hugh Hefner vibes. Like, I, I don't know. Like, what am I supposed to do with this? Shout out to everybody who, who loves a good robe. But I know that my wife, she's definitely a fan of robes. And so she brought her this really amazing robe. But it's also from the amazing school that she runs. And my wife, fun fact, she actually, she was so impressed and inspired and empowered by what she learned from today's guest that my wife joined the school as well. And my wife doesn't mess with a lot of stuff. Like she's just like, my wife is, okay, with this sidebar, my wife is absolutely all right. Just if this gets back to her in any form of fact, perfect. No, but real talk, my wife, she just she, she doesn't want to be bothered with a lot of stuff like she loves who she loves. She loves having fun and sharing and and talking and and and, and service, helping people like my wife. If if she's got your back, man, she's got your back a thousand percent. But as far as like getting involved in an institute or school. Like my wife graduated magna cum laude. And so when she graduated, she was like, she even said it with her own mouth. She was like, I'm done. No more books. Keep them away. None of that. Done. All right. So for her to enroll and to be a part, of, it just blows me away. And she's always sharing these little insights and nuggets that she's learned from her coursework. So when I'm saying that today's guest has an impact and a superpower in connecting and helping people to be able to help themselves and help others. I'm not exaggerating. But anyways, a gift that I'm sending her and I'm sending before this even comes out, so she's going to already receive the gift, is one of my favorite things for upgrading our sleep sanctuary, right? our sleep environment. It is so important. It's a room that we spend a huge chunk of our lives in, in our bedrooms. And so optimizing it for high quality sleep, like it's one of the best things that we can do for our health and for our well-being. And one of the simple things that we can do to upgrade our sleep environment, our bed environment, is to pay attention to thermal regulation. If our core body temperature is getting too hot and even our skin temperature as well, this can kick us out of our natural, normal, healthy stages of sleep. In fact, a study that was published in the peer-reviewed journal Brain, the scientists had participants wear thermosuits that lowered their skin temperature less than one degree Celsius to measure its impact on their sleep quality. The study results showed that the participants didn't wake up as much during the night. So this was wake after sleep onset was reduced and 
the amount of time that they spent in stages three and four deep sleep had increased simply by getting their body cooled down by one degree Celsius, their skin temperature. All right, so thermoregulation, the materials that are often used for our bed sheets can insulate and create even more heat. And I don't know if you're somebody who's waking up sweaty. You know, it tends to happen even with the best sheets that can happen. You know, our bodies can, you know, heat, we're detoxifying, that kind of thing. But it can definitely be an issue that people aren't aware of. And also the microbial aspect of what happens with our bed sheets can get to be a little bit nasty. So the sheets that I'm sending my special guests and that I sleep on, that I'm always giving as a gift to friends and family, they're antimicrobial, self-deodorizing, and they inhibit bacterial growth as one of the tenets to help to create a healthy sleep environment. But also, here's the key, they're moisture wicking, they're breathable, thermoregulating, and they're actually made from this really wonderful organic bamboo lyocell that can help to maintain healthy thermal regulation to improve our sleep quality. They're actually doing a sleep study right now on these sheets. So we're talking about a real clinical trial. And what I'm talking about is the sheets from Etitude. Go to etitude.com forward slash model. That's E-T-T-I-T-U-D-E.com forward slash model. And get yourself some of these wonderful Etitude sheets. I promise you, you will thank me for it. And also, they have a 30-night sleep trial. You can try the sheets, sleep on the sheets, dream on the sheets. And if you don't absolutely love them, you get a full refund. No questions asked. So head over there and check them out. It's attitude.com forward slash model. Again, that's E-T-T-I-T-U-D-E dot com forward slash model. And guess what? You're going to get 15% off. Exclusive attitude.com forward slash model. Now let's get to the Apple Podcast Review of the Week. Another five-star review titled Our Personal Vibe Check by Hazel. This podcast has truly reshaped my mindset and my daily habits. Sean not only has wonderful lessons and reminders for all of us, but he also acts as a personal vibe check when you listen to each episode. Recommended this podcast to so many, and I won't stop till everyone hears all the knowledge that Sean drops in each and every episode. Thank you, Sean, for spreading magic and hope in our lives. Awesome. Thank you so much for leaving me that review over on Apple Podcasts. I appreciate you so much. If you yet to do so, please pop over to Apple Podcasts, leave a review for the Model Health Show. And on that note, let's get to our special guest and topic of the day. Our guest today is Cynthia Garcia. Not only is she a best-selling author, not only is she the founder and CEO of the top health coaching institute in the world, she's also my really good friend and somebody that I spend a lot of time with and somebody who's helped me so much, inspired me, has had my back and I've had her back as well. And just being able to find ways to help to empower our communities, to empower our family. And you know, this episode again is so important because we're really looking at the current terrain of things and what we can do to start to, to shift our perception and to become more empowered and insightful and to be able to access the gifts that are already inherent within us. Let's jump into this conversation with the one and only Cynthia Garcia. The reason that you are here today Tell me. is we need you. 
we need you. We need that beautiful mind of yours. And, you know, when I talk to you so often, I, I get reinvigorated in what's possible, mm. you know, because of course your story, but also just what you inspire in other people. And so when you say everything is possible, like you really mean that. Yeah. You mean it. So yeah. let's I talk know about it. that. I know it. I feel, I mean, I feel it. Um, when you look at many of us, but we'll take me as an example and where I came from, you know, I grew up, you know, my story in a very traumatic situation, had a little four room shack in the Appalachian mountains. We didn't have running water in the house. We'd have to go outside to use the bathroom. We couldn't do laundry. Um, if we wanted to take a bath, we caught water in a big rain barrel and heated it on a wood stove and then poured it in like a metal tub. So like, I, but I always knew there was a bigger world out there. And I used to read books. I'd find a warm place in the sun and I'd have a book that I'd got from the library. And I learned what was possible. I learned about the other lives that people lived and how things could be different for me. And so, you know, looking at where I came from and where I am now, there's no reason I should be sitting here having this conversation with you. There's absolutely nothing that lined up for me to be here. And I've been able to do some really cool stuff, you know, like um, I've been on a lot of TV shows, you know, I've worked with, you know, top celebrities and A-list actors and had a couple of books that have sold over a million copies. Like, what is that? And I don't say that to brag or to impress anyone, but rather to impress up on you that if I can do it, anyone can do it, right? So, um, I think it's just important also to always look at the what's possible in terms of our constant evolution. You know, I mean, if we didn't think that anything better was possible, that'd be pretty life to show up for every day, wouldn't it? Like, mm. don't you think if you had to get out of bed every day and be like, well, I guess I'm going to groundhog day this mother, like <laughs> how far is that going to get you? You know, so part of it is what keeps me going, but part of it is just what I know to be true. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that we often we don't know this, but we feel like our past is going to equal our future. Yeah. You know, like you said, that Groundhog's Day right. type vibe. Well, for a lot of people it does. For a lot of people, your past does equal your future. Um, because most of us are stuck in these old mindsets, these old stories. And I told you the story about my eight birthday. Did I tell that on the show? I can't yes, remember. I did. did. Yeah. yeah. So at that moment, you know, I believe and and for the Reader's Digest version for people who haven't seen that episode, but you should go back and watch it, is on my songs. eighth birthday, uh, my mom forgot and um, she didn't remember. And I'm eight years old and I'm excited. And I kept waiting, thinking and hoping and praying that, you know, I'd be acknowledged. And um it was getting late and I just blurted out to her because I was eight years old. I said, did you have a present? It was like the only thing that, you know, I'm eight. And she looked at me and said, why would you have a present? And I said, oh, um, well, because it's my birthday. And she looked at me just deadpan, a little smirk started. And she said, so? And so in that moment, I wrote this story that I wasn't special and I didn't deserve anything. And 
you know, it's not like I just have completely rewritten that and I'm like, I'm capable of everything. Come on, let's get every day I rewrite that story. Every single day. I mean, getting up this morning, being excited to come hang out with you. I still had this little niggling, this little poke, you know, that was like, yeah, but yeah, but you know, and I'm like, no. And so I rewrite that story. But most of us don't do that. You know, most of us have gone through a lot of trauma and drama, those twins that follow us around for the Mm. rest of our lives, right? And we do this when we're children. And that's how we learn about how to navigate the world. So, you know, little Sean gets in trouble for doing something and he feels bad about it. He tells himself this story. I shouldn't do this. I'm not good enough or what have you, um, or I'm not worthy, you know, or all of these core stories. And if we never go back and revisit those and question like, really, like, really, Sean, you're really not worthy of having the things that you want, then we'll continue to live out those old stories. And our past will create our present as well as our future. It's not until we decide to consciously change the stories that we tell ourselves on an everyday basis. Um, that things really will get better, that they will be different, that they will change. Um, our mutual friend, Tom Bilyeu, who I adore so much. There's very few people I look up to. Um, you're one of them, total transparency. And uh, so is Tom. And he says, the story you tell yourself about yourself is the most important thing you'll ever do. Mm-hmm. And it's so true. You know, um, Henry Ford said, whether you believe you can or you can't, you're right. And so... It's really up to you to choose what's possible for you. And it's my job, what I think my job and my personal mission is, the reason I'm here, is to be an example of what's possible. I want to inspire other people to rewrite their stories by being an example of what was possible when I rewrote my own. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think, listen, I'm just going to say it. Say it. As a culture, (laughs) we've been lied to. Yeah. You know, we think that we're so weak. We yeah. s- we think that we're so fragile. We think that we're so incapable. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. we actually this is a fact. Our growth potential is literally limitless. Yeah. The human mind itself 100. is so expansive. There is no cap yeah. on how much you can grow and develop and evolve to the day that you die. Yeah. But we put a an invisible cap on ourselves because of our conditioning. Mm-hmm. And Two people can grow up in the same household as I did. Same. And witness the same thing, but it's the meaning that you attach to the things. And now the question is, can you become aware of the meaning that you're putting on stuff? Because I would see my mother and father fighting. I would see my mother waking up in the morning. I come down and she's got a black eye. Sure. And I see the drug use. And I see, also I see the love. I also saw Mm. the connection. I also saw us looking out for each other against the rest of the world, yeah. right? The little Stevenson clan, sure. you know? But in those moments, when I see the behavior, the outcomes from the alcohol abuse, mm-hmm. when my stepfather's drunk, when he's intoxicated, sure, I see that and I remember distinctly knowing I would never be that. I would never do that. I don't even want, I don't even want to drink whatever that is that is helping to have this human yeah. who's got a, a good heart mm-hmm. transform into something so dark. Mm-hmm. I don't even want to, I don't even want to smell it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Whereas my siblings see it and they say, can I have a sip? Mm-hmm. Like this is something that we do, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. For me to, to maybe earn the respect right. of this person or to 
you know, traverse all of my trauma. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so my meaning is just slight, not slightly, it can be dramatically different or even sure. slightly different, but the outcomes, and this is the thing, this is the point that I want to make is you said something earlier, when we're passing this stuff on, we talking about our past doesn't have to equal our future. Our past will equal our future. Yeah. This study, this was published in Neuropsychopharmacology. And the title of the study is Potential of Environmental Enrichment to Prevent Transgenerational Effects of Paternal Trauma. We literally mm -hmm. pass on our trauma, yeah. our psychological trauma to our offspring. Yeah. This is well noted in the data now, but here's the thing that the study covered. Positive, enriching environment and experiences can nullify or heal that generational trauma yeah. so that it doesn't have to get passed on to the next generation. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. So I wonder, like I look at your situation and, and you know, let's take your, your brother, for example, you guys ended up going in different directions uh, or any other family members. Was there something that you had that maybe they didn't? Like, you know, you said, oh, they would look at the drinking and think this is just, this is who we are. This is what we do. This is who we be. But you looked at it and saw something like, this is absolutely not who I'm going to become and I'm going to act accordingly. Was there a difference in the environment, a difference in the environment for you that maybe they didn't experience? Yeah. You know, there's two things. Number okay. one, when my brother, I'm about five years older than uh -huh. my brother and seven years older than my sister. So I was by myself yeah. with these people, <laughs> my family for, for a significant amount of time. And I had the experience of being put in a situation, you know, this fight yeah. that, you know, I've, I've shared before on the show, but, you know, this kid next door, we got into some little scuffles, but my mom and his caretaker, I believe it was his mother, made us fight each other. I was four years old. He was like five or six. And my head got split open. I got this scar on the back of my head to this day. And, you know, my identity at the time, because I'm in this environment, I understand my mom wants me to be tough. Sure. So the way she went about teaching that lesson was definitely not a parental, you know, parenting 101 great <laughs> material. But I understand why she did it today, because I can look back on it and shift my meaning. At the time, I yeah. hated her for it. Right. You know, and right. so I start to create this distance right. of feeling not safe around this person and mm -hmm. this behavior and these mm -hmm. people, but all the while still and picking up some of the stuff in the environment because you just can't help it. Sure. So that's one thing, you know, I there was some psychological distance created because of a trauma that I experienced. That's right. And the meaning that I gave it. That's right. And the second thing was, <laughs> I haven't talked about this before, it was um, because of that incident. You know, it's one of the reasons that I stayed with my grandmother for a couple of years. And in this environment, now I have yeah. certainty. Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. have patterns and consistency. There's a feeling of magic, Yeah, you know, that my grandmother created this aura. And it was when I was living there and it was an assembly at school and McGruff the crime dog came. <laughs> <laughs> and there was this campaign, say no to drugs, right? And I'm just like, I'm with that. Like I, <laughs> you, I don't think hardly any of those kids, if any, like really had that at home experience, right. Of what this looks like. I'm like, oh, I get. It. Just say no. <laughs> I get it. Like, so I'm not gonna participate. And so, but here's another part of the story that I don't talk about is that, you know, um, after second grade, my grandmother and grandfather move. They have mm. to. My grandfather's open heart surgery. 
they're going to move back to the country where he mm -hmm. grew up, you know, not literally like leave the country, but the quote country right. here in the United States, sure, sure. in the woods, dirt <laughs> road, the whole thing. And so now there's a decision with that I had nothing to do with. Am I going to go with him to yeah. Piedmont, Missouri, where I would literally be a needle in a haystack as far as how I look and where I come from, or <laughs> move back with my mom in the inner city. Yeah. And I, I end up living with my mom again. And now I'm going from a place where I had this wonderful, magical experience for mm -hmm. these three years and safety and certainty and love. And I'm, I'm made to feel that I'm significant mm -hmm. to all of that overnight yeah. dissolving to this lack of certainty, this fear. Now, you know, we don't have much at all. I'm going from like, I'm getting all the Thundercat toys on Christmas, you know, to like literally we're getting Christmas toys from a charity, right? Yeah. And they gave, kept giving us the same shit every year, you know? How many times are you going to give me Yahtzee? Right. And I still to this day have not played Yahtzee. <laughs> but there's this, there's this issue psychologically, you know, with the rest of my family because they believe that that gave me an advantage. Yeah. Right? Now, here's, yeah. this is the thing. Getting put into that, I had to go through something really terrible to be even considered to be put into that situation. Sure. Number one. Number two, I'm in this situation. Now I'm thrust back. I, ha I have a glimpse of life can be good. Right. And it's all taken away. Right. I can dissolve. I can fall into depression. I can give up mm -hmm. because I know that things can be better and now it's anything but. Yeah. Or you can just live in that you know, you're, you're in that environment, like my brother or sister, right. they don't really know the difference. They can't distinguish what this beautiful, consistent safety life, you know, feeling of safety really is. Right. And if I had a choice, I would rather that yeah. because I can keep looking up. Like I can keep moving forward. I can keep trying to find a way versus having something good and then it take, being taken away from me. Mm. You know, it's just, but again, even that, it depends on how you look at it. It, it does. Um, you know, when I said, did you have something they didn't, you, you did. And it's funny. I don't know if everyone knows this, but we're the same person um, <laughs> <laughs> so many or very closely related um, because I had that too. Um, as you know, I lived with my grandmother um, and it was not, it was through a very um, unfortunate series of events that, that I ended up with her. So I had a younger brother um, who obviously lived with my mom and dad. Um, this was before I was even born. And um, they brought him home one day. He was two years old. And uh, my dad was out in the yard cleaning a little space for him to play. Now, they were dirt poor, right? Like no money, government assistance. Um, it was really tough. And my mom was inside. She got him to sleep. She got up and went out to help my dad after the baby went to sleep kind of create a little space for him to play. And they came back in and found him upside down in a five gallon bucket of water. And um, so he died. And my grandmother obviously was very hurt as, as anyone would be and um, lashed out and said, I knew this would happen. And essentially the reason I went to live with my grandmother for a lot of the time when I was growing up is because she's, you know, my grandmother said, I won't let you do this to her, she was very afraid for my safety. And so 
again, very unfortunate series of events, much like you, shocking. Um, but what your, what my grandmother did and what your grandmother did, and, and my grandmother by no means had wealth or money. Uh, no one did in that area, to be clear. Um, but they showed us something else was possible. And even just for a brief moment, um, that made an impact on us, that environment. It was enough. And so, again, just ties back to like why I do what I do. I think if you can show people what's possible, then it inspires them and makes them think, oh, I can do this too, right? Now, my situation living with my grandmother ended when she passed away. She passed away very early um, from heart issues that, you know, diet, lifestyle, ton of stress. So like you, I went back into, you know, my old family home full of domestic violence, you know, my dad shooting my mom, like me having to wrestle guns out of his hands more times than I care to remember. And getting shot. And getting shot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and now we've had this conversation. Yeah. My dad was, um, he was trying to kill my mother who was asleep, literally asleep in the next room. And I happened to wake up in the middle of the night because she was sleeping in my room and uh, she's a, she's a snorer. And so she woke me up and, and I just felt like something was off. I think when you grow up the way you and I did, which I want to come back to because there is a survivor mentality that we adopt as children. You did, I did, many of us did, right? You just had to. And so um, when I was kind of awakened in the middle of the night, I just knew something was wrong. You know, people talk about, oh, the hair sit up on the back of my neck or you can sense it. Right. Like yeah. when you live in that environment where things just pop yeah. off. So I got up and um, I heard my dad like muttering to himself in, in the bedroom next door. And I knew he was drunk um, because that's what he did when he got drunk. And uh, I went in and he was very clumsily loading his his gun. And um, I started trying to talk and reason with him. And he just wasn't wasn't having it. And uh, he said, I'm going to kill her. This is it. I'm done with this bitch, this whore, this. I mean, that's the way we grew up, right? Like that's anger was our default emotion. It was was constant. And so I said, no, you can't do that. Please don't do that. Reasoning wasn't working. Now I'm pleading. And uh, he says no. And so he takes the gun. He starts to get up off the bed. And I just lunge for the gun. And, you know, my dad was, uh, I was, gosh, I was like, 15 years old, maybe at the time, I guess, maybe 16. I, I don't think I was though. And I'm trying to wrestle him. My dad's strong, you know, he's stronger than I am. And so um, he fires, he fires the gun and it goes right over my knee. I still have a scar from the bullet. And um, he said, I'll kill you too. And it's the first time I was ever afraid of my dad. Um, there'd been numerous times he shot my mother in front of me. He tried to shoot her multiple, like it was, it was an ongoing thing in my home. Um, I was afraid to leave because I wasn't sure what I would come back to. I not one time did I ever have a sleepover. Not one time. Oh, I never had a sleepover. Because oh could you imagine? Oh, I got a sleepover story. <laughs> oh my gosh. We got to swap stories. Yeah. Um, no, but that was the first time I thought he, I never was worried that he would hurt me yeah. until that moment. So anyways, it was very intense. And that was what I was thrown back into. But what I think it's important to recognize is that um, as children, we don't always logically say, oh, here's someone that's drunk. I don't want to ever be like that because we don't know. We just know what we're taught, what we right. see, right? And we go into survivor mode. We don't look at the meanings of stories because you said, like, can we change the meaning? How do we actually go back and look at the meaning we're giving, giving things? 
sometimes you can't when, you know, you're eight and under is what we know just through the study of neuroscience when these big things, these big stories, these big beliefs, these limiting beliefs are really ingrained in us. So you have to think about, I mean, your prefrontal cortex isn't even online. Like you, you, you can't reason, you can't tell yourself another story. Like that doesn't make sense. You, you don't have the ability, but the environmental impact is huge. It continues to be huge. Um, if you want to see how successful someone's going to be, look at their environment. You know, how you do one thing is how you do everything. We could talk about that all day. But the important thing to remember is even if you couldn't do it as a child, you can do it now. Yeah. You can do it now because you're right. There is nothing more important than the meaning we give. Like Tom says, the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves. Um, you know, you might say, I'm, I'm just a messy person. You know, I'm not a morning person. Maybe you try to say to people, you know, hey, you've got this morning routine. You get up, you get on your shit. And they're like, eh, I'm not a morning person. Well, that's a story, right? It's just a story. All that's happening is you set the alarm and then you press snooze. That, now, you make it mean that you're not a morning person, right? But all that happened was the alarm went off and you hit snooze, right? Maybe you could give it a different story. I was tired. Maybe tonight I'll go to bed earlier, right? Or just tell yourself I'm a morning person. People say, well, Cynthia, you're delusional. Well, we all are. We're all <laughs> delusional. Like we yeah. all walk around in a state of delusion every day, right? Uh, it's like you go out. I love this example because it happens to all of us. You go out, you see your friend and you're like, hey, and then they just ignore you. And then you start to think, oh, did I, did I, what I say? Did I do something? And you're, you're remembering like the last time you saw them. Did you not respond to their text on time? Did you not respond to their email? They're just not your friend anymore. Like, how do you even have friends? You don't even worry that you're a bad friend to start with. And it just spirals, right? None of those things are true. Now, when you finally get the courage to go up to your friend and you say, Hey, Sean, like I saw you last week at that part. Like I waved, like, what's up? You didn't, and Sean goes, I didn't even see you, right? Yeah. But in the meantime, between the time of that happening and then me actually asking you, I have told myself the craziest stories about how I'm not a good friend. I don't even deserve friends. It's wild that you would even be friends with me in the first place. You're probably just doing that to be nice, you know, and, and then you saw your way out and, and you took it. So nothing, like things just happen. It's how... It's the story we tell about them that creates our reality in any given moment. So tell one that serves you. Like just tell one that gets you closer to who you want to be and what you want to do with your life. We're all delusional. You got to get over that. <laughs> yeah. You know? You said that it was so funny because again, we're just we we don't even realize the things that we trust. Right. Like for example, we're in this building yes. right here. Like we have so much trust <laughs> yes. that everything is gonna go right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Even when we step out our door, we have trust that the earth is gonna keep spinning at yeah. the magnitude it's spinning, you know, whatever, seven, eight hundred miles an hour. Yeah. And it's just gonna keep on doing what it does. Yeah. But if it decides to even drop down a hundred miles per hour <laughs> less, we're all gonna die. Yep. You know, it's just like to to think that we've got this figured out yeah. is delusional. You know, but Here's the cool thing. You get to engage in this, in this story writing, you know, yeah. in this, in this game of life in a sense, and write the story that you want, create the meaning that you want. Yeah. You yeah. know, when you said the sleepover, oh my goodness. Tell me I everything. Was the, I was the guy, <laughs> I would always do stay at my my friends' houses, right? Always. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Like, yeah. All good. Got to see different things, different environments, cool relationships, food, all that stuff. One time, 
my friend Demar, he's like, why don't we stay at your house? I was like, nah, that's cool. <laughs> he was, I'm sure, wanted to get, his house was kind of crowded, you yeah, know, and, yeah. but I stayed at his house all the time. And so I was like, cool. So he comes over, stays over for the sleepover. And I'm sitting in the kitchen with him and my little brother. And I think I'm maybe 16. So my little brother is like 11. Mm-hmm. And so Demond, he's probably like 17. And so we're in high school. And my stepfather was drinking per usual. And we were just in the kitchen, just chopping it up. We were laughing, you know, having a good time. And for whatever reason, he thought that my little brother was laughing at him. Oh, you think I'm a joke, right? Mm-hmm. He left and we're just like, what is this? You know, like we just got back to laughing, chopping it up. Sure. My brother was sitting in the corner of the room, like across the room. If you walk in the doorway, he's at the other end of the, of the room in front of a plastic trash can, like mm-hmm. one of those big kind of like um, multiple the heavy value, duty, like, yeah, yeah. heavy duty trash yeah. cans. And my stepfather came in out of nowhere with a bat and he swung at my brother so hard he split this plastic trash can in half like the front of it just opened up and damon was gone my friend was he was gone yeah he was you know like he was (laughs) literally out the house down the street you know and i'm just of course like trying to get my my stepfather trying you know trying to wrestle him down you know like get him away from my brother and he's like nah nah you, you know he's making fun of me you know he's laughing at me wow and um you know these events were normalized to me in a sense, which is not anything but normal. For my friend who had no kind of exposure to this, he, of course, he never came back again. We remained friends, (laughs) but he's like, bro, your family, you know what I mean? But in that that moment, I could have lost my little brother. Yeah. And he would have, my stepfather would have been heartbroken had he known what he did when he was drinking. Yeah, yeah. You know, he was always remorseful. Yeah. But that's the thing. Are we going to learn from that? Because even those, the the point I want to make too is that these emotions, like you mentioned earlier, like if we're feeling, you know, some shame or guilt around things, it could be a guiding light for positive change or we can get trapped in those feelings. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And those feelings, those deep-seated feelings of shame or guilt or whatever it is, that points to a story that you need to rewrite. Like that is a great way that you know. So if you're like, I don't know what story, well, whatever the story is you're telling yourself that makes you feel that way. You see, people say like, um, you probably have heard this, your thoughts create your reality. Like we've all heard that, right? That that's bullshit. It doesn't, doesn't happen. We have over 60,000 thoughts a day. If our thoughts really created our reality, we'd be some interesting motherfuckers out here. Let's just tell the truth. But what does create your reality is your stories, your beliefs, those deep-seated rules that you have learned to navigate your life by. The ones that you told yourself before the age of eight um, that kept you safe, that I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, it's too late for me, that's for other people, but not for me. All of those stories, those are um, the ones now that we have an opportunity to rewrite, but those are the beliefs beliefs, like we said earlier, that created your past will create your present and your future if you let them. So that's a really great way to hone in is those deep feelings that you have and then go back to the origin of where that was actually formed so that you can look at what was the event that happened, what was the explanation, it's three E's, what was the event that happened, what was the explanation I gave it, and then what was the emotion that I felt, right? I saw my friend Sean, that was the event, and I waved at him. Okay. The explanation I gave was he didn't wave back. So I'm just not worthy of 
people liking me. And the emotion I felt was shame, right? Just kind of shitty. I felt really a lot of shame. When I go back and I look at that event, what happened? I saw my friend Sean. I waved at him. He didn't wave back. That's just what happened. It doesn't mean anything. That's just what happened. And I give it the new explanation. Um, I guess he didn't see me. Now what's the emotion? Well, now my emotion is, man, I'm so glad to have a friend like Sean. I'm so glad like I get to see him and it makes me happy when I go out. And that's good, man. Like I'm so lucky to have a friend like Sean. It completely changes your story. It changes how you navigate the world, right? Like I am, I'm worthy. I'm someone who's worthy of having a friend like Sean. Damn. You know what I mean? So that story is like, it's so powerful, but it all comes down to how you explain it, which it ends up in whatever emotion that you feel and it's the emotions. So a thought plus an emotion, that's your belief. And that's what determines our reality, not just your thoughts alone. They're not strong enough for that. Yes. Oh, so good. Thank you for that. When you said you're worthy, like that really, that got me because like, you know, a big reason why I'm sitting here right now is because of you. Mm -hmm. And that's real talk. You know, um, obviously came out to to see you and do some things. Like while I was in town, you invited me to stay at your place Yeah, yeah. Uh, while I was out here not knowing anything about L.A. I'm just here to speak <laughs> and get the hell out, you know. And um, but you spoke it into existence. You were just yeah. like, well, when you guys move here, yeah. you know, like yeah. we just be talking like well, when you move here. And I had I'd never thought about it. like I just didn't I didn't think that was for me. Yeah. You know, because, again, there's this there's this invisible barrier that I put on my thinking when I yeah. come out here my wife and we're at the beach and we're just like man this is this is so amazing like yeah. what if right yeah, yeah, but yeah, the yeah. what if wasn't like when we yeah right? that changed yeah it was because of the language that you were using I was like she keeps saying this like wait a minute <laughs> and then the what if became so much stronger yeah and you know I I love this because it's not that I'm so glad that you said this that our thoughts create our reality I often say it's our perception, which includes all those pieces, right? Stories, yeah. Our, the meaning, our, you know, um, obviously our thoughts are like an ingredient in there. Sure, But sure. also, you know, our, our, our experiences, all these things kind of color our perception yeah. and how we see yeah. things, how yeah. we see reality. Yeah. Because our perception of things is how it is yeah. for us. Well, we don't see things the way they are. We see things the way we are. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And, and back to that conversation, I just, I just showed you a possibility, you know, speaking it into existence. Yes, sure. I do those things, but I just, it wasn't a possibility for you. And I just made it one right now. We all do this. You've done this for me numerous times. I remember, I remember the first time I had uh, come to, I came to Los Angeles and it was the first time I'd ever gone into a house that had heated floors. And I was like, what is this devil's work? What <laughs> this, is going on? This, this black magic. I'm like, black magic? People <laughs> heat floors? How do you do that? But then I knew what was possible, right? It's just like increasing the thermostat a little bit, your possibility thermostat. You just keep increasing that. But I will say, I think that choosing something that you want is very important. I think a lot of us go through life and we say, God, that'd be nice. Ooh, and that'd be good. That'd be, I'd like to have that car. I'd like to live, ugh, love to be able to live in that kind of house one day. You know, my mom, all she ever talked about when I was young, she wanted a big house, a two-story house. That was as, that was as detailed as it got, mm. <laughs> a big two-story house. And that's true for a lot of us, but we don't ever choose it. You know, we just, we see things. We know they're possible because you have it, I have it, they have it, but we don't choose it. 
I very deliberately choose things in my life, right? You, you do too. I've seen you do this. And once you lock in on it, I don't know how it's going to happen. I just know that it is. How? Because I decided that it was, right? So you put your energy behind it. And here's the thing about making a decision. I always tell people, just make the decision. What is it that you want? Just decide. We throw around that, that word decision so flippantly, like nobody mm -hmm. takes it serious, right? A decision, the root of that word, it literally means to cut off, to cut off any other option, right? So I am choosing this. I am making that decision. There's no other option now. There's just no other option, right? I was at a um, party. This was, oh my gosh, so many years ago. And um, I saw this, this um, Nicole Kidman, right? And I mean, the talent is stupid. So I, you know, I, I love to know where people came from and how they got to where they are. I'm fascinated with it. And so I knew a little bit about her story um, and her mom's health. And, you know, she worked as a nurse and was really, you know, um, went through it. And so I said, like, what would you have done if you hadn't been an actress? And she said, what do you mean? <laughs> like that was just the silliest question mm -hmm. ever. Like, what do you, what do you mean? And I got it. And, and, but you know me, I'm like, well, if you hadn't, been, and she was like, there was never another option. So, so when you have, when you make that kind of decision and you decide to, that this is what you're claiming, you show up in a very different way. You talked about identity earlier. I think that's one of the most overlooked things that we have, that everyone has access to very few people use. We've seen this. We just don't always know it. Um, we saw this in Kobe, you know, the black mamba, right? Muhammad Ali wasn't a boxer. He was the greatest in the world. You know, we have these essentially alter egos that we can create for ourselves. And so once we decide that we want something, we become the person who has it. Here's a basic example. Um, would you rather be a person, let me just say this, there's a difference in someone who wants to lose weight, then that's their identity, someone who's wanting to lose weight, and a person who has the identity of, I'm already there, I'm already there, right? Those two people act very differently. The person wanting to lose weight, they struggle. They're like, God, oh, I know, I, like I read Sean's book, I know I'm supposed to eat smarter, but mm, pizza, pizza, it's been a long week. They're gonna struggle with every single decision. The person who is already about that life, they already see themselves, they own this identity of being the weight they want to be at, it's not an issue. Sean says, eat this to eat smarter, got it. You don't, you don't wrestle with those things. You just show up for the person that you've already chosen to become. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, it's critical. Here's the, the thing that gets in people's way. Uh, people say, choose a new identity, uh, just choose, adopt an alter ego. It's not quite that simple. The part that is missing is going back and rewriting the old stories. Because your brain, right, you know this, your amygdala, your hippocampus, like something goes down and they're like, wait, 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 we've seen this before. Here's what you do, right? It's, it's pulling on those old stories that have been in there since, again, before the age of eight. So you can't just choose a new identity and decide to be that. You, you have to also go back and revisit the beliefs on why you think you can't be that person. Because if you don't, every time you're like, no, I'm this person that's already lost that weight, your old stories can be like, hmm. No, you're not. No, you're not. You know, eat that pizza. Like, who are you yeah. playing right now? You know, so you have to go back and rewrite those old stories first and then create the identity. Because what's going to happen is that identity is going to be like, hmm, no, you ain't that person. And you're going to say, I wasn't. 
but I am now. Yes. Because before I didn't think I was worthy, but I am now. Oh, look, that's me telling myself that old story, but I know better. So now I'm going to do better. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So this goes back. However, the, there's a piece here that we have to fill in. Say more. When we, when we make that decision or even when you're like, most people don't decide. Yeah. What's going to come up if we're resistant to that truth is that, well, it's easy for you to say, you know, I've got all these different things that I'm dealing with. I can't just decide. And the truth is the decision is just instantaneous. When the decision happens, it's done. Mm -hmm. But what usually takes time is getting ourselves to the place where we actually make the decision. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, but one of the things that keeps us from making that decision, because I started by saying we've been lied to, like you, as you're hearing my voice right now, you are so powerful. You are so powerful. You have no idea yeah. how infinite your potential is. Yeah. It's just the barriers we put on ourselves, the story, the things that we've been through, the things we're going through, but your past does not have to equal your future unless That's you right. decide it is. That's right. And so that gap can be the things that we've gone through, yeah. especially traumatic experiences. So can we talk about that a little bit and what we can do to start to address the trauma in our lives for us to maybe start to work on overcoming the trauma that's holding us back from making the decisions we wanna make. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and, and that's the truth, right? We all have some sort of trauma. I think we talk about trauma and sometimes we envision it as like this bigger, this big thing, right? Um, something massive like 9-11 or you were in a war or you, know, you were in a car accident or, got shot, whatever. Um, there And those are very traumatic events. But there's a lot of different types of traumas. If you were born, you have trauma. Birth is a very traumatic experience. Let's tell the truth, right? And so anything that you go through, like I remember, and this is the silliest example to a lot of people who will hear this, but I remember one time um, I, I called my girlfriend, I was in high school, and I said, hey, let's hang out. I had this one friend, right? And uh, she said, I can't, uh, I'm busy. And I was like, what are you doing? And she's like, I can't, I'm busy. And I was like, okay. Now the guy I was dating at that time, you see where this is going, yeah. had already said like, he's busy, he's got something to do. So I'm like, well, I'm not going to sit at home. I'm going to go out. So I took myself out to the big city and went to the mall because I was balling, right? <laughs> and like $10 to go get some food <laughs> and buy some gas. Anyways, um, I start to go up the stairs to get to the second level of the mall. And guess who starts coming down the stairs? Oh, wow. Like what? What the? Was it? And then, and she's like, "Well, you're like, it was my fault, right?" So, and that's that might be a silly story to a lot of people, but for me, that was very traumatic because in that moment, the story I told was, "I can't trust people. People can't be trusted." Now, this was not the first time I had run up against this story in my life, right? But this was the one person who I had been able to confide in for years. I said, like, I literally had that one friend. I'm not joking. But, and still, like to this day, I have trust issues. You know this about me. I don't trust anyone, right? <laughs> and so, so that story was, was absolutely written for me, but that was trauma. So it could be, you know, the, the girlfriend that broke up with you, that broke your heart in, you know, ninth grade. It could be uh, that you had high expectations for a test. Like there's lots of different versions of trauma is my point. And we don't compare trauma. 
my trauma isn't any worse than yours, isn't any worse than Sally Sue's. Like we don't compare it because we all have different levels of resilience, right? Like you're resilient as a mother because you've been through some stuff, right? So whatever I throw at you, you could handle it. Like you're going to be good. We know that. We know that people who have grown grown up in um, extreme trauma, they handle stress way better. It's why a lot of people who grow up with really tough backgrounds end up being very successful. You go down the list and name them. Oprah, of course, is at the top, right? Because they can withstand higher levels of pressure and stress. Your physiology is designed from a very young age because it's had to respond that way, right? It's fascinating. So the point of all of this is we don't compare traumas. We're all at different levels. But the first step is to acknowledge that you've experienced trauma. It's not a weakness. It doesn't make you less than, right? Um, in fact, it's one of the strongest things that you can do to have the courage to be vulnerable enough to say, this happened to me and it really affected me yeah. in a traumatic way. Even that can be very tough. Yeah, because so I know, hard. Like, even some of these stories that I'm sharing, are, I, I know a time and there's still discomfort there in it. Mm -hmm. But I remember a time when I was embarrassed to ever even speak oh, a word of any of these things. Same. Are you kidding me? I would never. Because I thought if they found out, they won't like me. Yeah. If they found out, like, this crazy shit, I could, they would think I was crazy, like a lunatic, right? So, but you got to be really careful who you trust your stories with. You got to be really careful who you share things with because that can be used against you, right? People have to earn the privilege of my stories. I've told you stories that I still haven't told in a public way because, mm, you know, and maybe one day I will, but I'm not at that place. I still haven't worked through it in my own way to be able to share it. So be careful about how, who you share those things with, but find someone. And if, if you don't have the people around you, and, and that's another big thing, by the way, the people that you surround yourself with will hugely determine what you do in your life, who you yeah. be in your life, what you have in your life. It's huge. And we can get into that if you want. But if you don't have that trusted source, start with a coach, start with a therapist, start with a neutral party who isn't going to, to judge you, right? Or isn't going to bring it up when you've had too many drinks <laughs> at a friend's house, you know? But when you start to tell those stories, no matter how small, it liberates you. And then you tell a little more, and then you tell a little more, and then you tell a little bit more. Does that make sense? So the first step is talking about it, acknowledging that it's happened, um, getting help if you need it. Uh, I'm you know, a coach. I'm great at what I do. I'm trained in trauma. I'm a trauma specialist, but I'm not a therapist. And so if you've gone through really heavy, intense moments of trauma, get the right help that you need and don't be ashamed to do that, um, whatever that looks like for you. But the other thing is realizing that what happened then isn't happening now. And you get to rewrite the story, right? So yes, this happened to you. And yes, it might've led to you being self-destructive. It might've led to you developing really negative habits, like numbing all the pain through drinking, sex, gambling, shopping, fill in the blank, overeating is another one that a lot of us do. Um, and I think it's okay. All of those things are okay when you get to a point where you're like, oh, this is, this is why I did those things. So it's, it's just about becoming self-aware and accepting yeah. it. 
Is this making sense? Yeah. So sharing what happened, even if it's just to yourself, just admitting it to yourself and then realizing like, oh, I've done these things, but now I can choose to do some things differently. It's all about self-awareness um, is at least where you start. But this is this is the rub. Today, Tell me. Is that self-awareness is becoming more distant in a sense. Yes, I agree 100%. You talked about this recently. Um, we live in echo chambers and that's a problem we you said this we regurgitate somebody's like oh that's a cool idea i think i'll say that and then somebody else is like oh that's cool i think i'll say that too and then we have like your thoughts create your reality you know and i'm just picking on your thoughts creating your reality i don't know if you said that <laughs> i'm sure they're really good people but we do we parrot as you said um the things that we hear around us. And we don't think for ourselves. We are so afraid still of being kicked out of the tribe. You know, we're so afraid of what people will think if we express an independent opinion that, and, and quite honestly, we don't even sit still with ourselves long enough to figure out what we do think mm. about a situation. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. We just see somebody say something and we're like, yeah, no, what he said. And we don't even sit and question, like, how do I really feel? Like, we're just, we're in the phone all the time, right? Like, I've made it a point. To, do you do this? I haven't ever asked you this. I have um, thinking time. Thinking time. There was a book I've um, written called The Road Less Stupid. <laughs> and, <laughs> no. and in I'm it, writing that down. <laughs> it's a great book. You got to read it. And in it, he talks about, like, this having time for independent thought. And just, so I have, I have thinking time and it might range from 10 minutes to an hour to, to two hours. If I'm just zoned out on the weekend by the pool and I have that white space finally. And I just think I don't listen to music. I don't have my phone. I just be now. Sometimes if there's something poking me that I'm trying to work through, I'll have a notebook and a pen and I'll write down the question. And then I put it aside. Now, if something comes up and I feel like I need a journal to write that down, I'll grab the pen and the notebook, but otherwise I just sit and I be. And I think and I process, right? You ever hear um, people say, I get the best ideas in the shower? <laughs> That's because right? you're not on the damn phone. Thank you, right? <laughs> it's because you're actually taking time to think for yourself yeah. in that moment. So do you do this? Do you have time where you just think, yeah. you just be? I, that's exactly, I literally said that on that, on that segment that, I, that you mentioned. Oh. You know, when's the last time you actually just thought, you know, yeah. just sat there because- when we were growing up, we didn't have all of this stuff, all of this stimulation, you know, oh. so we just had time to, quote, be bored. Oh, yeah. But even that boredom, that's a label that we put on time that we can have essentially in all these different, you know, self-reflection and assessment of our lives and the environment and the things that we want to do and the things that we don't want to do and yeah. all this stuff, we get to actually sit with it. Yeah. And so we put these labels on it. Yeah. And now we got a cold culture that is constantly trying to look for stimulation so we're not quote right. bored, right? That's right. <laughs> but, you know, for me, it's this time, like pretty much every day, I'll just go for a walk by myself yeah, without anything, no headphones. And I'm walking in this path where there isn't a lot of like new stimulation, you know, from the outside. Like it's just this little block that I walk and I just, I'm just there. I'm just yeah. with my thoughts and, you know, considering things and, you know, just allowing because the thing is, there's so much that happens. We kind of get this like spiritual constipation, right? <laughs> all of this, all of this cons consuming, yeah, right? All this consumption of all this outside stuff. 
without processing. That's right. And yeah. assimilating what yeah. we need to and yeah. eliminating what yeah. we don't. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah. it's like time for that filter to kick on. Yeah. When I'm not looking for this outside stimulation. And also that can come from talking to somebody. Yeah. As well. And that's for what sure. I've seen so much with just us hanging out, you know, <laughs> and it makes me even more comfortable again to even share certain things about my life as well, you know, yeah. that we again share with each other. Right. And the thing is, neither of us trust anybody. <laughs> You know what I mean? But for even for me, I've I've evolved to a place where I trust people to be who they are. And I'm and I'm yes. open for people to demonstrate that. You know, so it creates this place where trust is more possible. Absolutely. You know, versus the, I'm coming from this environment where it's everything around me is telling me do not trust, do not mm -hmm. open yourself up to yeah. be a victim. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But that mindset held me back from getting out of the things that were imprisoning me. Yeah. Right? From my whether it was my health or my success or whatever it is, the thing that changed everything for me was when I realized that I can't save the world by myself because that was just <laughs> stupid to think that, you know, but I really felt like I like I I can't. Yeah. Right? And I'll yeah. show you. Yeah. And that's going to kick my own ass. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Like that scene in Liar Liar when Jim Carrey like beats himself up in the bathroom. Anyways, <laughs> um but I realized that if I'm really going to make an impact on this world and you know leave things far better than when i got here mm -hmm. it's going to be with and through other good people yeah so i have to open myself up for those good people yeah yeah and you know that in and of itself that intention yeah right yeah. so i set the intention and i made the decision to make it to make it happen yeah yeah right yeah and yeah. again the decision was possible for the 10 years that I was working in this field. Sure. But the next 10 years was dramatically different yeah. because I decided to invite people like you. And it wasn't like Cynthia, I'm going to find Cynthia. No, it's I found just... you. <laughs> sure enough. Sure enough. You got you to gotta share that story with me. Totally share it. No, but, but what you're saying is a lot. And it, you opened this door that we might not want to walk through because it makes people mad. Mm. I'm just going to call it out. And here's what it is. Um, and let me frame it my way, right? So, so for me, I have decided that everything is my fault. You can see why this makes people angry, right? <laughs> They're like, wait, what? Now, that is my extreme way of looking at the fact that I take personal responsibility for everything in my life. So if something goes sideways in one of my companies, I don't pass the buck. I don't say, oh, my team, I, I'll talk to. No, that was me. Ultimately, even if somebody, that's ultimately my responsibility, right? It's my responsibility to run the company, to manage the people in it, to oversee what we're putting out into the world, to ensure that it's good and in alignment. And if that doesn't happen, that's on me. If an employee is having, you know, a performance issue, I don't say, God, what is their problem? Like, what is going on? What am I not giving them to enable them to operate or function or perform at the level that this role expects? What role am I playing in this? So I assume that everything that happens is my fault. Now, most of us don't do that. And let me just tell the truth. I didn't come out of the womb like this, right? I mean, for so long in my life, I was like, whose fault is this? You know, like I could be at home and drop a glass and look around for someone to blame. I live by myself. And I'm like, who did this? Who, who? I was who? thinking about you. <laughs> right? It's your exactly. fault. Exactly. Yeah. It's their fault. So I would pass the bucket any 
chance I got, but it just didn't serve me, right? Blaming other people for your results or who you are, what you have or be or whatever, it's just not productive. So, and I, I quickly saw that, right? I could be miserable and blame other people, or I could say, what's my role in this? And so the point here is we have to start taking personal responsibility for things. So, and that's, you know, continues this conversation. Sure, you look at what it is that you want, right? Get out of the echo chamber, sit with yourself, figure out what you want, make the choice, and then make the decision but then take responsibility for it. That person didn't hire me. Well, no, you didn't show up in a way that made them want to hire you. Now, I get that that's like, damn, right? I get it. I, I get that that pokes. But ultimately, if you don't take responsibility, then who? Right? You're not serving yourself. I always look at, like, if we did this interview today, I'll ask. People will say, Oh, that was great. I loved when you, great. But what could I have said better? What did I say that you didn't understand? What could I have been more clear on? Right? Like, I take personal responsibility for that. If this interview tanks and people are like, Whoa, I'm not going to be like, Well, Sean had very bad question or whatever, you know? <laughs> I'm going to be like, Damn, what did I not? do but but we need to do that right now it gets it gets tricky yes it gets tricky and let's just call it out because bad things happen to really good people and it's really hard to swallow how is that my fault that that isn't no that's that's not my fault so that's where i, I bring it up lightly and gently and perhaps fault like i use that for me yeah. that's for me it's not for for everyone but by taking responsibility for what has happened, take fault out of the equation, fine. Taking responsibility for what has happened, you get to now be in control of your response to it, right? Things can happen to you or they can happen for you. This isn't anything new. We've all heard this a million times, right? But for most of us, even though we know it, things still happen to us. We're still the victim, yeah. right? But how can you take that, twist it, own it, and make the choice to do something about it in a way that impacts you in a positive way? You see what yeah. I'm saying? This insight affects our day-to-day -day lives, but also yeah. healing trauma. This is another thing. A hundred percent. Because, 100%. you know, for me, again, use, fault is strong, yeah. right? And I use responsibility, right? Yeah. Taking 100% responsibility yeah, yeah, for your life. Yeah. No wiggle room. Yeah. But we, the thing is, we're coming into it super wormy, even when yeah, we yeah, decide, yeah. like, but here's the cool thing is that, you know, like, for example, something might happen, you know, with my wife and I, and, you know, maybe some outside event takes place mm -hmm. that really throws us off, that really creates stress and, yeah. you know, yeah, negative experience. But how quickly can I get to that place of like, what? What is it about us that helped to create that situation? Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. And yeah, again, yeah. it's not it's not to put us into a place because you said it's tricky. It is. And I love this because we can put ourselves into a place where we are taking responsibility for things to the degree that it incapacitates us. Yeah. So we have to have grace in it too. Yeah, yeah. So which part of that is allowing things to process and not making everything you know, creating more trauma right. by thinking that it's bad for me to be upset or to be whatever the case might be. 100. And, and yes. Oh my God. Can I just, yes, 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 yes. So here's the other, the other 
thing I want to throw in here, right? Um, getting into a fight, like my somebody in my team, those are all great examples. Here's one that hits a little differently. Um, trauma that something that has happened to you that isn't truly your fault and it's hard to take responsibility for. I'll give you an example. I was um, sexually abused at the age of five. That is not my fault, right? And taking responsibility for that blows my mind. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? What do you mean take responsibility? So, right, so I'm playing devil's advocate here. So I think it's important, and this is why I say it's tricky, right? But here's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the event that happened, the incident that happened, and you're not either. We're talking about taking responsibility for what happens next, right? So I can take this thing that happened to me and I can let, I can give it whatever meaning I want and I can let that run the rest of my life, right? And it could take on a negative meaning for me and I could let that tell the rest of the story for the rest of my life. I could let it hold me back. I could let it help keep me stuck all of those things. I could justify my drinking, my drug problems, my addiction to online gambling, whatever, eating, because this thing happened, right? Or I can also take responsibility for what happens next, right? Sure, this thing happened. Absolutely, it wasn't your fault. No, it was not your responsibility to prevent it, but it is your responsibility for the next. Now, what do you do with that? What do you make it mean? What comes of that? Is this making sense? So I, I want to be really clear on this because sometimes, you know, I say these things and people are like, wait, 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 like I was raped and that's my fault or I, I'm supposed to take responsibility. No, it's for what happens next. It's what you do with that that we're talking about. Absolutely. Yeah. Got a quick break coming up. We'll be right back. The importance of vitamin C cannot be overstated. The big issue today is its simplicity. Something so simple cannot be so effective, can it? Well, vitamin C is obviously a major part of our immune system function and how it does its work, and this is the key, is that it helps to reduce infection-oriented inflammation. A recent study cited in the journal Pharma Nutrition investigated the impact of vitamin C in relation to the cytokine activity associated with COVID-19 and found that vitamin C is effective by inhibiting the production of the cytokine storm. Several clinical studies are now affirming that timely administration of vitamin C can dramatically influence the outcome of COVID-19 infections. And this simply has not been talked about, but we're gonna change that. Now it's important to also note that all vitamin C is not created equal. We've got synthetic forms of vitamin C and we've got botanical, real food-based vitamin C. A study published in the Journal of Cardiology had 20 male smokers consume the number one source, the highest botanical source of vitamin C, found in camu, camu berry, over the course of a one-week study. And it led to significantly lowered oxidative stress and inflammatory biomarkers. And they were measuring this by utilizing C-reactive protein. Now here's the rub. The camu, camu berry was not just put up against a placebo. It wasn't put up against nothing. It was put up against synthetic versions of vitamin C. Just an ordinary vitamin C tablet that you might find as you're checking out at the cash register or at a gas station, something of the like. And here's what they found. The researchers saw no change in these biomarkers, reducing inflammation and oxidative stress 
in the placebo group. That placebo group, again, was a synthetic version of vitamin C. For the researchers, this indicated that the combination of other antioxidants from the camu camu berries had a more powerful antioxidant effect than standard vitamin C products alone. This is why I utilize camu camu berry combined with amla berry combined with acerola cherry, the three highest botanical sources of vitamin C ever discovered. In my favorite vitamin C supplement of all time, the Essential C Complex from Paleo Valley. Go to paleovalley.com forward slash model. You're going to get 15% off the incredible Essential C formula. Go to paleovalley.com forward slash model. That's special 15% off right now. Vitamin C is of the utmost importance, but our sourcing matters more than ever. Get the very best, not the third best, not the fifth best, not the hundredth best. Get the very best vitamin C possible. That's going to be in the Essential C Complex from Paleo Valley. Go to paleovalley.com forward slash model. Now back to the show. The, this is the great thing about having a coach or, you know, um, a mentor or just yeah. people there yeah. to guide us because yeah. also we tend to isolate so many of these traumatic experiences. Yeah. And one of the great gifts that I was given, and it just goes back to me opening myself up, you know, which was from Michael Beckwith. And he really added in another layer, mm. so much so that I went into the science on it. Like he knows all this stuff. <laughs> he doesn't have to know the science. He just right, knows it. Right. Right. But just the, the power of questions. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so this is one of the gifts that you really give to your students and when you're working with folks. Because we already have the answers within us, right? Oh, 100%. But there's this, for me, I had to find out, like, what is this mechanism? And yeah. it's called instinctive elaboration. Yeah. Right? So the human brain, it is obsessed. It has to find answers to the things that we're posing it. That's right. And so we tend to have these automatic or habitual questions or dominant question, usually. And for me, when I was struggling, you know, with my health and my life, it was just, why me? On automatic, why me? Why me? And, you know, there's even, a positive way to even look at that. I changed the meaning. Now, look, as I've worked through all these years, now I look back and I, I was going through that situation where I was diagnosed with this so-called incurable condition. Yeah. I was by myself. My own mother, you know, loan, you know, she asked for a loan for some money uh, from my refund check from my university and disappeared. You know, I had to pay my rent and she disappeared. Mm -hmm. She wouldn't answer the phone when I called, the whole thing. My own mother at that time, you know, and, you know, I, I just felt like I was so alone and I wasn't doing well in school, the whole thing. Like I went from a full credit load to now I got one class, I got three credits. I'm barely hanging on by a thread. Now looking back and asking that, why me? Why me? Because I am strong enough. Mm -hmm. Because right. I was qualifying, I was getting qualified for the life that was to come. Mm -hmm. I was given the opportunity, why me? Because I have the ability to change the meaning of these things. That's right. And to start to write a new story. Like yeah. it really just depends on your perception. And especially looking yeah. back on again these traumatic experiences, is at, like you said, it's what do you do next? So yeah. question that folks can start to ask when these things happen is like, what is this trying to teach me? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Or I love this one, which this one's kind of tough though. But like, what is the good in this situation? Oh yeah. Where where is the good? Where's the gift? Yeah. Specifically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one I used with my wife the other, <laughs> you know, last time we had this. Thing happened in oh, our lives. Gosh, like, that's so hard. Where? What is the gift? Yeah. 
in this situation? What is the yeah. gift that life is trying to give us? Yes. I, I do that in a similar way. I'll say, I'm so happy this is happening because, which is even, maybe be even harder for people. I don't know if that's easier or harder for people, but just in the midst of like a total shit show, I'm just like, oh, I'm so happy this is happening because, because it forces you to see again what's possible, right? And I know, by the way, I drive people sometimes crazy when I say everything is possible. I had this client one time and we were in a coaching session and uh, I said, well, listen, everything is possible. And she's like, yeah, like, she was just annoyed with me um, and that's okay. And I said, no, it is, you know that, right? Because that's part of what coaches do. We ask questions, we dive deeper. And she was, yeah, no, I know, but I mean, like if I didn't have any legs, I couldn't play basketball. So not everything is possible. <sighs> a few years later, I didn't have this information at the time. I do now. I wish I'd have coached her years later because what I now know is, in fact, there is a woman, her name is Jen Bricker, who uh, plays basketball, volleyball. She also is a New York Times bestselling uh, author. Mm -hmm. She is an aerialist, award-winning. Um, oh, and she was born without legs. Come on. Turns out you can play basketball if you don't have legs. Everything is possible. It's another great story. I know you've heard it. We've all heard it. We've all told it. This uh, fella by the name of Roger Bannister, right? You've heard about this guy. For years and years and years, no one could run a mile under four minutes. The experts said it couldn't be done. And so one day, Roger goes to work. He has an early shift, works a full shift. He, uh, he takes the train. He goes have, and has lunch with some friends, and then he stops by the track. And it's, you know, blustery weather, cloudy. It is not ideal conditions for trying to run, let alone trying to run a mile in less than four minutes. And the people that were there said, oh, you're, you're wasting your time. It's not possible. It's, no one can do it. We know it's just not possible. And he said, I think I'll try. I think I'll just give it a shot. And we know what happens, right? He, he breaks the record and blows people's minds. But here's what I find interesting. Do you, and maybe you know this because you're usually smarter than I am about these things. Wow. But um, he wasn't an athlete. It wasn't like he grueled, he trained. I mean, he, he would run with his friends. You know, they had this amateur running league that he was part of. He was a doctor of neurology. And therein lies the secret. You see, Roger Bannister knew that the limitation wasn't in the body, but in the mind. Mm. And so he set the example of what was possible. And of course, we've proceeded to break it, you know, a hundred times since then. But it really begs the question of like, what is possible for you? And again, I think it's everything. But this, to go back to your point of coaching, it's why coaches are so important. I still have coaches. Like I'll use coaches for everything because I can't see my own stuff all the time, right? Um, and just to be clear, a coach's job isn't to tell you what to do. I don't tell my clients what to do or how to live their lives. I don't know how they should live their lives. Like I'm not going to tell you how to live. What do I know about your life? But what I do know is I have a method that I use to coach you through rewriting your stories. I have a process for walking you through how you see what's possible so you know the decisions and the choices that you want to make. And the cool thing about that, Sean, is it's your decision. It's, it's your choice, right? People say, you know, I wrote this um, weight loss book many years ago and, um, and focused on weight loss 
for the early part of my career. And people, even to this day, will still say, I'll, I'll get interviewed and they'll say, why don't diets work? And first of all, I can't believe we're still talking about this. Mm -hmm. But the, the answer to that is, I don't know that diets don't work. I think there's some great, quote unquote, diets, ways of eating out there. Now, there's some not great, so great ones too. Let's acknowledge the good and the bad. But it's sometimes that we don't work the, the diets. We're back to personal responsibility, right? Because here's, and here's why that is. As humans, we need to be in control. You know, when you were little, you needed to be in control. To this day, control freak. Mm. If I can control it, I'm safe. Because when I grew up in a house where, again, things would just pop off at any minute, I could if I could control them, things were safe, right? Many of us have that experience. So humans don't like to not be in control. It doesn't matter if it is that you're in a traumatic environment or you're just following a weight loss plan. Any form of control where it takes away your free will makes us feel like we're unsafe. Now, that's just this old brain. That's the way we're built. It's, it's perfectly normal. We all do it, right? The trick is like, how do we stop doing that? And that, again, is where coaches come into play. It's like, um, but, but, but that's the whole point about diets. Just kind of wrap it back to that. People will follow a diet. They'll start on Monday and by Wednesday, they're done. Right. And they justify it by saying, well, it's the time. I didn't have the time. I didn't have the grocery. I, I'm I deserve this. I deserve this pizza tonight. Right. But the real reason is because they're not in control. So when you work with a coach, they're not telling you what to do. Right. And that's where the magic comes in. You're choosing. Now, they'll ask questions to get to the heart of what's going on. We'll ask these great questions to help you come up with options on what you could do to get out of the situation that you're in. But then we let you choose. Right. Because you're in control. So we go from a place of taking away your power and just do what I say to giving you back your power and letting you stand on your own two feet and supporting you through the process as you do. And then also saying, hey, Sean. You said you were going to do this thing because I know what you want is this thing. But I noticed you did this thing. Help me understand. Right? So it just holds you accountable in a loving, supportive way where you're always in control. Just imagine if we all had access to this. And we do. This is the thing. We do. And phenomenal things have taken place. You know, we've got really yeah. sound data on people being able to utilize coaches, life coaches. Yeah. And to tra literally transform the outcomes of communities. And yeah. the reason I'm bringing this up is that today, and another one of the big reasons I want to have you here today is we're in a state of crisis, you know, is a, I'm, I'm even hesitant to say it because the word isn't strong enough. You know, we've really devolved in such a way with our mental health and the yeah. outcomes in our society, you know, yeah. the, the, the rates of suicide and drug That's abuse right. and, you know, overdose deaths and, the deaths from alcohol, mm -hmm. you know, skyrocketing as well over yeah. this the time of this pandemic. Yeah. It's just, it's really startling. You know, one of the craziest statistics, and this was published by the CDC, and they found that United in the US, deaths from drug overdoses have nearly doubled yeah. in 2021 versus just a few years ago. For yeah. example, in 2015, there were 50,000 drug overdose deaths. And in 2021, it hit a record of about 100,000 people <sighs> doubling. You know, and that's just, that's overall, not to mention fentanyl specifically being the leading cause of death for right. people in their quote prime of life years between 18 and 45, you know, but we're not talking about, we tend to put that again, it's another one of those 
taboo things. We put it in a box. Oh, the drug abusers. Yeah, yeah. We're talking about why, <laughs> why do people utilize drugs? Like we're conditioned when we get here as babies, right? Oh, this is wrong. You should take something for that. It's a cultural Im implementation of an idea of a belief system yeah. on taking something to deal with our pain. That's right. Physically and mentally. Yeah. And we can have a, 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 a entire field built to where we can have medications that change how you feel. But hey, I'm a professional and I can change how you feel mm -hmm. with this pill. Right. Versus you have the ability to do it yourself. Just go to fill in the blank place and you get access to these things. Right. But here's the crazy thing even about fentanyl. And it's very, it's very strange because there isn't a lot of unrest about it. Because There isn't a war on drugs with fentanyl that you're hearing about because where does it primarily come from? It's come from the pharmaceutical industry. Right. They were the, the, the agency of birthing this and making it such a, a popular phenomenon, so much so that Johnson & Johnson was ordered to pay part of a $26 billion settlement because of their contribution to the opioid epidemic that has now killed over half a million Americans. But again, you don't see this on the headlines. You know, People are on to the next thing. They're not actually paying attention to the thing that matters most, like what is actually hurting us the most, and right. it's our mental health. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. And it's, I mean, and, and that's what, again, it's, I think, <laughs> this is a big statement, I think coaches are the solution. I think coaches can change the world. I think coaches can save the world. As a matter of fact, I know that that is true. We have to return to our own inner knowing, our own inner being, because you're right, you know, we... By using these prescriptions that your doctors say, we just need to be on this, they are implying that you can't handle it any other way, that there's, you can't get through this on your own. And so we start to believe that. That's a story, right? But we, we then adopt it and we're like, yeah, I can't do it without this. I need this. I can't get through the evening without that glass of wine or two glasses of wine or four glasses of wine, right? And listen, I'm not judging anyone. I've drank my fair share and then some, let's tell the truth. It's just when it becomes our only outlet, our only way of being, that it becomes a problem. Um, and that's what we have to get back to taking control of. But Sean, the thing is, I told you this starts with self-awareness, right? I I'll tell you, um, gosh, there's so much I want to say right now. Um, I, went to, <laughs> I went to a therapist back in the day. I was going through a lot of mental health struggles. I've dealt with depression since birth, I think. <laughs> like I was diagnosed being clinically depressive in my early 20s because I'd never had an outlet to be diagnosed before. And I was going to a therapist because I was really, really struggling, um, feeling suicidal, um, had been feeling suicidal, wasn't the first time, this was not new to me, still deal with it. I just have new tools and ways to deal with it. I call Anne, we talk, it's good stuff. Um, but I sat down with this therapist and she was saying, you know, the prescriptions, the drug, and I said, listen, I know there's a time and a place, that's okay, but I need to figure this out and I need to have another way to deal with it because for me, the medicine made me numb. Sure, I didn't feel depressed. I didn't feel anything. I didn't feel love. I didn't feel joy. I was just kind of floating through life. And I said, you, you got to give me something else. And she said, okay, 
here's the thing that will just fix all of your problems. And I was like, oh, sweet baby Jesus in a manger, tell me everything. And she said to me, you just have to love yourself. <laughs> it was all I could do <laughs> to stay in my chair. <laughs> I am hanging on to life here. Yeah. I am struggling so hard. And you're telling me I got to love myself. Needless to say, I didn't go back to that um, therapist. And then and I wish her well. And I hope she got more training. But I see that a lot. Love yourself. Just love yourself. Got to have self-love. Well, what happens when you've grown up thinking that you're worthless, you're hopeless, you're never amount to anything, when your mother forgets your birthday, where your mother takes your rent and then won't return your phone calls, and you don't love yourself because there is inherently something wrong with you. At least that's what we believe, right? For your own mother to forget your birthday must not be a lot you've got to offer, right? So it's not like you don't flip a switch one day and be like, okay, I love myself now. I'm good. Thank you. <laughs> Next. It's about becoming aware of who you are in the first place and why you would even deserve love and why you think you don't. Like I have this game I play um, because it's just easier than going straight to the heart of the matter. It's I call it the I wonder game. So when I'm in it and I'm struggling, I'll just say to myself in a really gentle way, gosh, you're you're in it right now. I, I wonder I wonder what's going on. I, I wonder what those big feelings are. Oh, I feel anger. Okay. Okay. I wonder where that is in your body. Um, my, my chest. It's in my chest. I feel it. I wonder, I wonder what color it is. Oh, it's red. <laughs> it's real red right now. Mm, I wonder if it has a shape, you know, and I get to the point where I'm like, I wonder if, you, if I could just, I wonder if you could take that outside of yourself and just look at it separate from you. I wonder if you could just see that. And, and the, the point in doing all of this is not because because before what people tend to do is like just get it together cynthia just get your shit together like what are you doing like why are you freaking just come on what is wrong with you we beat ourselves up right and so i use the opposite approach just like because because i know sean that most of these things that i am triggered by are from inadequacies i felt as a child i know that and so i wouldn't go up to a child and just be like hey kid Get your shit together. What is wrong with you? Why are you crying? You know? And so I don't do that to me now. Just say, I wonder. I, I wonder what's going on. Like a child. I wonder what color the anger is, you know? Because it allows me to let my guard down, to not beat myself up, and to get to the real heart of what's going on. I get to know myself. And then I'll be like, oh, oh, that's you feeling that thing. Now this is a process, right? But anyone could do it. Start to wonder today. Do something, feel something. Next time you start to feel a strong emotion, just sit back and wonder. I wonder, I wonder why I'm feeling this way, right? We're tempted to lash out at the other person who caused it, right? Back to blaming somebody else and not taking responsibility. But just try to, just try to wonder. The more you do it, the better you'll get at it. The whole point is start to wonder. I wonder why. I have to control everything. I wonder why I need to fluff the pillows on my couch when somebody gets up and leaves. Like, what does that give me? I, I wonder, right? When you get to know yourself, then you can move to the next phase, which is accepting yourself. So now we go from self-knowing to self-acceptance, right? Um, listen, I have some really weird habits. <laughs> I just do. I'm kind of a weirdo. Like, 
you know this. You've heard me say shit that's like so absurd <laughs> that you're like, how did you even think of that? Like, how did that even come out of your mouth? But I accept that about me, right? I don't know why I'm weird. I just am. I don't know why I say and do weird. I just do. But that's all right. That's me. You know, I'm just being me. You do you. I'm going to do me. But I accept those things. I know that I get stuck on loops. If I got an open loop, I'll just sit all day, all day until I find a way to close that loop. I get fixated on things. I get obsessed with things. I have to have a way to close the loop or I will not. I mean, days, weeks, months, I won't let it go. I accept that about myself. That curiosity serves me, so I accept it. Once you can accept the good, the bad, and the weirdo part of you, then you move on to self-love, right? Mm. And if that's too hard, start liking. Go with self-like. I like that I'm weird, right? You're just accepting. You're appreciating it. I kind of like this. It makes me different. Keeps people on their toes. Let's me know who my real friends are, right? When I say some shit and they're like, wait, what? And I don't see them again. I'm like, okay, thank you, next, right? (laughs) They were thrown off by my obsession of true crime and- (laughs) Serial killer. <laughs> yeah, big, big cult <laughs> fan over here, big serial killer fan. Yeah, but there's a process is the point to getting to self-love. I'm not denying that that helps, but or that that's the, a key. But you have to have a process for getting there, especially in this day and age. Yeah, that's the thing too, is the, is the process and being gifted with that. Yeah. Because yeah. I think one of the biggest things that it's another lie that we've been told. Not again, somebody doesn't have to vocally say these things to you, but it's just a belief not. that we pick up is that we make it someday. Someday we arrive. Yeah. And we're there. Yeah. That is not how this works. <laughs> no. It's a continuous process. <laughs> yeah. And you've even shared the things that you are still in process. Yeah. This isn't to say, now here's the thing. If yourself back in that, that sh- the, you know, the, the conditions that you were living in, yeah. you know, and- you could fast forward and see your life today. You would not. You wouldn't even believe. No. That that is your life. Mm-mm. You know, like it's such a. You're in a different galaxy, and you would be like that. You made it. Oh my, Cynthia, you made it. <laughs> and it's one of the lies that we buy into that yeah. once we achieve fill in the blank, once we get to such and such, then we'll be happy. We'll be peaceful. We'll have all the things. It's a continuous process. If you're alive, part of the one of the ingredients. And the recipe of life itself is that you are going to be faced with challenges and yeah. problems. It's yeah. just, and I'm not, I'm a, ve- I'm a very optimistic person. So <laughs> even me saying this is just like, I'm not saying it to like rain on your parade, <laughs> but stuff's going to happen. Of course. And the only difference is, number one, you being aware that it's a continuous process. And the stuff you've been through that, you're pro- that you are processing is a continuous process. Yeah. Because you might heal from something. It doesn't mean that it disappears. Right. You know, right, so right. An, a, a certain angle or a flavor of something might pick at that thing that healed, right? The scar maybe is there. Sure. And you might have something come out from that, you know, but still it's another opportunity. And one of the things that you said, you know, when we were talking about having you in today, is just like what's different about us is that we just picked up some tools along That's the way right. yeah. to be able to deal with these things. That's right. I wondered if this is where you were going because I was like, yes, we just have different tools. I just know a little more than I knew back then, right? Like I shared with you before we started today that for our kiddos, um, the second leading cause of death right now for their age group is suicide. It's, it's nauseating 
it's heartbreaking. So we're talking about preteens. 10 to 14. I can't, Sean. Like, mm. what is happening? But here's the thing. I, and, and I can speak to this because I have been through suicidal moments, moments where I thought, this is it. I'm, I'm done now. And I, what I can tell you is that I never wanted to die. I just wanted to stop hurting. And I didn't have the way to do that. And I think that that's what we're seeing with people. I mean, suicides have skyrocketed, as you talked about, through the pandemic, because we don't have the tools. We don't have the answers. We don't have that education. We don't have a way to deal with it. There is no other way. And so we think, well, this is the only way is the way out, right? I know that's true for me. It's been true for many clients, many people that I've talked to who have been suicidal or experienced that themselves. So it really just comes back to what are the tools that you have? I mean, this is, and this is what I made it a point to study. You make it a point to study. I think education is so key. Listen, I didn't know how to do the things that I do today and no idea. Like I've started now two coaching schools. The second one, <laughs> I knew what I was in for, right? Because I've done it once. But the first one, when I tell you, had I known everything it took to get this school to where it is now, I mean, it's a state licensed school. It's like the best of the best. I would never have done it. Never would have done it because I wouldn't have even known where to start. Even when I was doing it, I was like, oh, oh, I got to do that. How do I do that? I have no idea. But I just figured it out, right? We research, we learn skills. And so I think the thing that's made the biggest difference in my life, I, I wonder if you feel the same, is education. And that doesn't necessarily mean a traditional university or anything like that, but just Google you know, a certification program, a, a training program, a course online, a book, reading, eat smarter, you know, sleep smarter. Still go back to the book. Um, the education has given me the tools and the skills to create the life that I only once believed was possible, but had no idea how I would get there. Does that make sense? Do you do that? Is that this education? Would you say that's one of your? Yeah. I mean, yeah? If that's not the top you know in a way really yeah because no that's what this I, I think that this experience of life is it, it is itself education yeah you know? and oh yeah we get to choose whether or not we learn that shit, right <laughs> yes. right the education is being presented to us yeah. constantly like yeah. we can't turn it off yeah the decision that we make is whether or not we choose to learn from said thing right so for me it's not just as you mentioned it's not just the conventional education i remember that line i believe it's from mark twain not never to let your never to let schooling get in the way of your education yes, right yes. so not that conventional structure but also the things that you do to educate yourself proactively outside of that you know the books that you read the podcasts yeah. you listen yeah. to yeah. the 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 masterminds you go to whatever yeah. all those things but more so for me and i love this i'm so grateful that i'm so grateful to the past sean who decided to take on this belief that Every single person I meet is my teacher. Mm, right? Yes. So I'm constantly, I'm like, and I think people pick that up for me too. Like, yeah. I'm a fan of people. Like, yeah. I'm learning and all these things. Uh, a, a gentleman, I remember his name was Ron. He came up to Ann and I. We were sitting outside. We just worked out. We went and got some, uh, some acai bowls right, from this place. <laughs> like, all of this stuff is super new to me, right? So we're just sitting outside and we're eating acai bowls. 
and talking about stuff. And and Ron walked by and he had on uh, his scrubs, you know, because he was doing, you know, working in healthcare. Uh-huh. And he was like, excuse me, brother, I don't mean to interrupt. You know, I, I follow you. I listen to the show, mm. you know, all these, these great things. Mm. And so for somebody to do that, first of all, it's grown man. It's grown mm. man, grown man vibes, right? We might be like, ah. But so I understand <laughs> immediately, like, man, this is a special moment. Like, there's a connection here. Yeah. For him to take a stop, you know, because people are worried, like, how is this person going to be in Absolutely, real life? Like, yeah. is he is yeah. he the truth? Yeah. Is Sean showing up as a truth? <laughs> What's he eating? <laughs> <laughs> right. And so, but for me, it's just like, in that moment, he's my teacher. I get yeah. to learn. And there's yeah. so much going through my heart while finding a way to still be present. Yeah. And that's the thing that I had to work on and kind of reacclimate myself. After I realized this internal world existed. Yeah. Right. Then it was about integrating back into life again. Yeah. And enjoying the magic that's happening, but also seeing like, oh, this thing, there's this thing, there's this message. Yeah. And so, and even taking a moment for me to even remember his name. Yeah. Right? Like oh, all of these wow. things. And then I think about Jim Quick. And you know what I'm saying? It's just like, <laughs> it's such a beautiful thing. But yeah. I, I decided that everybody's my teacher. Yes. I love right? that. Yeah. So Ram Dass um, said... And just assume or imagine that everyone you meet is your guru in drag. Mm. Isn't that great? Because mm. you'd never like just blow off your guru. You'd never, and guru, teacher, whoever you respect or look up to, right? Just insert what works for you there. But it's it's so true. And I think we've lost that. Nabram Das also said, you're in the earth school. You might as well try taking the courses, right? Like you're here. You might as well learn from the experience. But I think we don't learn because so many of us are like, I know already, like my daughter is so cute. She's, you know, <laughs> it's like, uh, I, Brayden does this maybe, I don't know. I think I've heard him do this maybe one or two times, but she'll ask me something and I'll tell her and she'll say, I know. And I'm oh, like, cause yeah. I just told yeah, you. Right, Brayden does the same thing. Yep. <laughs> what do you, I, okay, <laughs> I knew cool, that. I know. Like what? Okay, mm. cool. But that's the mentality that yep. a lot of people have adopted these days, right? And listen, I'm guilty of it too, right? I'm like, I already know that. I'm, I know more than that person does. You know, I fall into my, my traps too. But I think a lot of us are like, oh, I already know. And then we don't open our minds to any new possibility that might come in, a new way of understanding. And so I think that's one of the things, not to turn this into a political conversation, we won't, um, but that we're, I think it's one of the reasons we're so divided these days is because we echo chamber, right? We live in echo chambers. Somebody says something, we get behind it. We don't have that free thought and we just latch onto it and we just know it. We just know it. And we're not open to listening to anyone else's perspective. I already know. I already know, right? To use the words of rain, I already know. So I think it's, I think that's an opportunity is the way I want to phrase that. I think it's an opportunity. I don't want to just rag on it and talk about, oh, this is wrong. Let's talk about what we can control here, right? Let's take personal responsibility and let's just get to know each other again. You know, maybe you have different views on wearing a mask. Maybe you have different views on anything, whatever, diet, sleep, political part, whatever that is. Like, I think there's magic to be made in the middle of all of these conversations. So I think that's so important. I think you're right. Yeah. Once we stretch things out too far, it's going to snap back like a mother. Yeah. And uh, it might sting a bit. I don't know if you've seen any of those little um, those little clips or memes of people doing the resistance bands, <laughs> exercise bands, and <laughs> accidentally snapping their nuts or something like that. You got to be careful about going out to these polar ends. It's true. Because, you know, really the, the magic is in the middle. 
for yeah. sure. Yeah. You know, and again, this is a time more than ever that we need this. We need this education. Yeah. And these tools. Yeah. And you have the ability, if you feel a calling in your spirit that you are here to 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 help others, to serve humanity, to empower people. Yeah. Then you are the person that I'm sitting here looking at right now <laughs> that can help people to go from where they are to being in that position and having a life that, again, that their childhood self is looking forward. Like, I cannot, you made it. I can't believe that that's your life. Yeah. And also for people that might not be your path where you're wanting to work with people as a, as a life coach. Right. Or, you know, again, you're ITN founder too, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so nutrition as well. But as a life coach specifically is what we're talking about, you know, just to pick up these tools, you're yeah. also just providing people for them to use it in, your, in their own life. That's right. And so I want folks to go to themodernlifecoachschool.com forward slash model. That's themodernlifecoachschool.com forward slash model. And you've got a special three-day challenge available for people. Can you talk about it? Yeah, I'd love to. And thank you for your kind words. Yes. So this is a three-day challenge um, that will give you the three must-haves if you want to become a successful, confident life coach or just live your life as if you have those tools, uh, because you will of being a life coach. And so once you go there, um, we teach you some really valuable things. It's just three days, right? Just maybe not even 30 minutes a day. And we'll teach you some really powerful tools. Um, I have a really powerful tool that'll help you rewrite your story in the moment. It works in under two minutes flat. So anytime you find yourself telling yourself that story, oh gosh, I'm about to go into this party. I don't want to, you know, I'm not good enough. Who do I think I am? You can rewrite those stories in two minutes. So I'll teach you that. Um, I'll also teach you the what's been considered and, and called by many people the most powerful question in coaching. And it, I use it all the time. It will allow you to go deeper into your relationships with your partners, your children, your employees, or your coworkers. Workers, um, as well as with yourself. And if you decide to become a coach or you are already a coach, you can use this with your client to dive deeper into their wants, needs, and desires. So there's so much great information there um, that people will pick up. It's again, it's back to the tools. The only thing that makes you and I any different is we just have these tools. And I want to give them to everybody who wants them. The modern life coach school.com forward slash model. Do people have to like give a pint of blood or, you know, uh, what, what is, what is the, the entry? Like how does, how do people get it? Yeah. No pint of blood necessary. Um, you can send me some dark chocolate if you want. <laughs> no, you just go, you tell us, um, your name, you tell us what email you want us to send it over to, and we'll send you everything that you free. need just in your email. It's all free. There's no charge for it. As a matter of fact, there's bonus videos I created for it. So I went live on Instagram every day of the challenge. And we have those recordings up to go deeper into the material and answer questions. Like I riff on how you can use these things. And yeah, no, it, it's all free. Um, I just really want to build a community of people who are taking control of their lives and their mental health and rewriting their stories and seeing what is possible. Um, as a matter of fact, we have a rule at the Modern Life Coach School. And it's called Modern, by the way, because I firmly believe that the world of life coaching was perfectly created for a world that no longer exists. 
you know, we have very different challenges. When we have 10 to 14 year olds dealing with suicide as the leading cause of death, when we still have, um, you know, racial tensions, that's a mild way of putting it, we need a different curriculum for people. We are not talking about asking open-ended questions and setting goals for your clients. Like, sure, that's important, but we have to talk about and educate people on how to truly coach everyone, right? How to deal with the real issues that people are facing in the world that we live in today. So that's why we call it the modern life coach school. We take on these things. We bring in instructors who are trained in these things. Um, and it's very powerful. We're having much bigger conversations um, than other schools across the board. So anyways, all of that to say the other rule that we have is first you, then your client. So you go through the own your own transformation first. Um, you look at what's possible for you. We have you write your eulogy, which I know sounds dark and people are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But I once heard the definition of hell and it shook me. And I made it a point when I created this new school to build this in. And the definition of hell is on your last day on earth, the you that you became meets the you you could have become. I want those people to be twins. I want those two Cynthia's to be like, I know you. I know you. We're, we're the same. Look at us. We're the same. That's so cool. I don't want one day, my last day to be like, Damn, girl, you could have done so much more. No one wants that, right? So first you, then your client. Anyways, head over to the challenge. There's a lot of great tools, information. It's all free. We're building a really strong community of people coming together to support each other during yeah. this interesting time. It's needed. Like you just said, a very interesting time. TheModernLifeCoachSchool.com forward slash model. And, you know, I, I know this viscerally that all of the, the craziness that we're seeing right now, these are just symptoms of real issues that have to do with being human. Yeah. You know, and we have all these different expressions and the antiquated ways that we're going about treating these things clearly is not working. No. And so part of this, again, being modern, right, is yeah. addressing the real circumstances that we're dealing with right now. And it's very different than 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago when the space was created of life coaching. Yeah. We've got to get updated like yesterday. And that's the thing I really yeah. admire about you is like you go to work keeping things consistent with the times. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And you're a little bit obsessive with updating <laughs> things and making things, you know, it's just but I love it. Like that's why you are who you are and what you've created is so remarkable. And so Again, go to themodernlifecoachschool.com forward slash model. It's free. Yeah. No, no pint of blood. No pint of blood. No, needed. you know, no cashier's <laughs> No bodily required. fluids. Just, you know, just take advantage of the resource. And, yeah. you know, you're one of my favorite people. Clearly, you know, we, this is the thing when people see us, they would know that we're the same person. You know, <laughs> our stories are person. so crazy, you know, and crazy similar. Yeah. And, um, you know, I just I love you and I appreciate you. Oh, thank you. Well, thanks for all you do, too. Like, seriously, I never I mean, we're friends. We hang out. But I have such respect for you and for your audience and for what you've built. Like, talk about everything being possible. Like, are you kidding me? Right. Look at you. Look at you. So thank you for having me. It's always such a pleasure and, and truly an, an honor. I don't say that lightly. So thanks for being you, Sean.
Thanks for being my friend. Ah, I appreciate you. Everybody, <laughs> Cynthia Garcia. Thank you so much for tuning into the show today. I hope you got a lot of value out of this. Please share this out with your friends and family on social media. You can tag me. I'm at Sean Model. And you can tag Cynthia as well. She is at I am Cynthia Garcia on Instagram. And listen, this is a time for us to really step up and to step into our power. Take advantage of this amazing resource. Again, just go to themodernlifecoachschool.com forward slash model and participate in the three-day challenge. I know that you're going to gain so much from it. And again, this is a time for us to really step up and to do something. But again, it starts with us acknowledging and accessing the power that's within us. And of course, we don't have to wait to inspire that in other people. So we've got so much in store for you coming up. And I'm telling you now, world-class interviews, masterclasses that are going to blow your mind. So make sure to stay tuned. Take care. Have an amazing day. I'll talk with you soon. And for more after the show, make sure to head over to themodelhealthshow.com. That's where you can find all of the show notes. You can find transcriptions, videos for each episode. And if you got a comment, you can leave me a comment there as well. And please make sure to head over to iTunes and leave us a rating to let everybody know that the show is awesome. And I appreciate that so much. And take care. I promise to keep giving you more powerful, empowering, great content to help you transform your life. Thanks for tuning in.